On the NIV version, it's a little different. Instead of mercies, it said, uh, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. So the same word can be love or mercies. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And that's the theme of this chorus, and it's going to be the theme of the verse of the song we're going to sing. Great is thy faithfulness. All right. Thank you, Sally, for uh, recommending that to us. Pardon me? Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Cool. Okay? Let's do it. Let me play it through once. And if those of you who know it want to sing, teach the others, then that will be fun. I just want to say one.
standard for a robe, and this would be the new choir. Every choirs and robes. All right, great is that faithfulness. Huh? I don't have to ask how many All right. No. No. By definition, what is faith? 
Well, come on, I cheated. I put it rather than paperwork there. And where did that definition, do you suppose, come from? The 1957 Webster's Dictionary. Now, you're getting a real good feel for why I love the 1957 Webster's, because there it is. It tells us that faith is, is abiding, okay? And abiding, of course, is accepting without objection. And it's a fidelity. And I, I like that word, too, because in our culture today, infidelity is, uh, is quite popular, isn't it? Uh, I'm reminded of that. There was a website a couple of weeks ago that, that got hacked, and it was... Oh, I couldn't believe this. I, somebody told me about it, so I, I went on the Fox News thing and, and looked it up. A website specifically designed for people to be... for infidelity in marriages, so that you could find somebody to have an affair with while you're married. A website. And there were something like 30 million people signed up for it or some crazy thing. They released the names today? Yes, they did. A whole bunch of government websites. Wow. A whole bunch of government websites. Well, so here it is. So... So infidelity, then, of course, uh, is the opposite of fidelity. And faith, of course, is a fidelity to one's promises. We sing these songs about God's faithfulness. And then we, we look at this definition out of Webster's that says, a fidelity to one's promises. I, I, I just love that. <laughs> a fidelity to meaning there is so much strength in that word fidelity because it can't be broken. Because that was originally what God intended for marriage. Amen? That there was never, a, there was never something that could, that could break that, that bond. Now, of course, it happens all the time because we're very imperfect, all of us. But nonetheless, there's this fidelity. And so, if that's the definition of faith, then of course we have to look at what is faithfulness as we sing these songs about God's faithfulness. Because Faithfulness is an attribute of God. Amen? Yeah, that's a yes? Yes. Okay. And so if that's being the case, if that is the case, then then um, you can go ahead and cheat again if you want to. What is faithfulness by definition? God being true to his promises. Okay. So, uh, and, and right out of 57 Webster's? Interesting. So a faithfulness is a binding. Okay? And a, a being bound is is what? Huh? Being faithful. It, it's, 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 it's really bound in a positive sense is security. And so this faithfulness that we see uh, in, the, in the Webster's, this isn't a biblical definition, by the way. This is just a secular book, right? It's a, it's a dictionary, for goodness sakes. And yet, it tells us that faithfulness is loyalty, steadfast in allegiance, firm in adherence to promises, true to an original and binding. Does that make sense as we think about the attribute of God? It does make sense, doesn't it? There's our friends from Webster's again back in the 1950s, because where did they get a lot of these definitions? From the Bible. From the Bible. Imagine that. 1957, they used to pray in school too, but we're not going to go into that. Yeah. So, there are synonyms that I also put. Did I, did I put the synonyms on your sheet? Yes. Okay. And so, what are the synonyms that can be used for, for faithfulness? 
Think about it in terms of an attribute of God now, not just generally. Synonyms. Go ahead, barks on that. Loyalty. Constant. Staunch. That's a word we don't hear very often anymore. Staunch. What else? Resolute. Okay. These are very strong, powerful words, aren't they? Synonyms for, for faithfulness. So, if this is the definition of faithfulness, okay? So, Vinny, can you find, can you think of something uh, that, that you choose to be faithful to? Now, outside of the churchiness of it, something that you're going to be faithful to. School. Yeah, yeah. Because your dad would kill you if you weren't. <laughs> but that's just motivation, right? Okay. All right, so school, and there, there are other things that we can be faithful to that are outside the context of, of, of our faith, isn't there? Family, spouse, okay. friends. <clears throat> yeah, lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. So then the question is, how do we then define, because this is a secular definition of, of faith and faithfulness, but it has some real biblical overtures to it, doesn't it? Because quite frankly, in 1957, that's where Webster came up with, these, with the definition. So because of that, that's why I wanted to put it on the, on the outline, because of that, how do we then define and or describe now specifically God's faithfulness? Because it's one thing for Benny to be faithful to complete his school, his school work. On Thursday nights uh, last year, we used to always talk about because it, it was Friday was always was always Spanish test day. <laughs> so often on a Thursday night worship team practice, Benny and I, I'm, I'm trying to keep up with him speaking Spanish, which is impossible. Um, but uh, and, you know, so you're steadfast in that faithfulness to school. But what about God's faithfulness? How do you contextualize it now? And, and how do you then define, perhaps even using some of this definition here, the faithfulness of God as an attribute of the living God? Page 164. Faithfulness is that in God which guarantees that he will never be or act inconsistent with himself. Ah, right out of Tozer's book. Right. right out of Tozer's book. Faithfulness is that in God which guarantees that he will never act or be inconsistent, or be or act inconsistent with himself. What, what is an attribute again? Characteristic. A characteristic, or something that God declares about himself. Tozer then uses a number of, of, of scriptures, and there are hundreds. I'm always interested, I've said this before with Tozer, I, I read these three or four scriptures that Tozer uses in front of one of his chapters, and I'm always wondering, whew, I mean, that's got to be a supernatural thing that goes on to be able to pick just four scriptures uh, in, order to, in order to write a book or a commentary and, and, and make a point, because, uh, I mean, how do, you, how do you pick? If that's not in the providence of the Holy Spirit, then something's, something's probably wrong. But it would be really challenging, uh, as I was reading through many of them uh, this week, um, uh, and I was just thinking, ooh, that's a good one. Ah, that's a good one. Ah. <laughs> but, so he picks these. And, and what else might you say? That was Tozer's definition. What else might you say about 
how you might define or what your words could you use about the faithfulness of God as an attribute of the living God. <clears throat> Something God is. Any other words that you can put to it? Okay, truthful, so if he says something, he will do it, meaning that he would be faithful to do what he said he's going to do. Yeah, he's because of his own word. Okay, he's faithful to his own word. Okay. Unchanging. Unchanging. Promise keeper. He's a promise keeper. Trustworthy. Trustworthy. That's interesting because we've been looking at the attributes of God and we started with self-existent, <coughs> transcendent, right? eternal, omnipotent, Immutable, Betty? Immutable? Which means what, Betty? <laughs> Unchanging. Unchanging. <laughs> you know more about immutability than anybody I know. <laughs> immutability, omniscient, wise, sovereign. Now faithful. We're looking at, at the grace of God tonight and, and, and God's mercy and, and, of course, and of course love. So these are all, this, this is who God is. These are his attributes. And and so Doris says that he has to be true to himself. Tozer in his book says that, that faithfulness is that in God which guarantees that he will never act or be inconsistent with himself. Why? Because he's perfect. Why else? Because he says so. Why else? Because he can't. Yeah, he can't lie. And I would say because he can't. And there's some philosophical discussion that perhaps we could have about that. You know. It's impossible. Because it's impossible. For him to be anything other than Okay. It's impossible to be anything other than who he is. <coughs> because if he was something other than who he is, what would happen? He would cease to be God. We could go home. We could go home. That's right. That's right. As I always like to say, woohoo, pizza and beer. Because there's no reason to be here. Deuteronomy 7 9. Deuteronomy 7 9. We'd like to read. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. And he pays to the face those who gave him. Interesting. So we see Deuteronomy 7 9 way back in the book of Deuteronomy. Ernie, when was that written? Before my time. Barely. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the Deuteronomy passage. I love the Deuteronomy passage because, listen, in terms of God's faithfulness, what what is saying, okay? Who wrote the book of Deuteronomy? Moses. Okay? Ernie's best friend. Okay. Well, God wrote Deuteronomy. God wrote it through Moses. But he says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. 
kind of what Vinny just said. Like, I can't lie. It's kind of what Doris just said. God is who he is, because if he wasn't who he said he is, then he isn't God. And so, uh, so know that the Lord your God is God. That means, by the way, in all of his attributes. In all of his attributes. And then he is faithful. He is a faithful God. Moses says, what, what is that? A declaration of, of who God is. Right there, he's saying, and God is a faithful God. And I wonder, I wonder how, through the Spirit, this was written because, um, because that's God with a capital G. Because there was lots of little, little G gods running around, weren't there? Still are. Lots of gods in the world that people have made up. And so, he is a faithful God, keeping his covenant of love, of love to a thousand generations. Now, how long is that? Okay, but, but specifically, what does that mean to a thousand generations? Forever. Okay, forever, because it's a figure of speech. It's being used to, to a thousand generations is what, is what the reader would have understood forever and ever uh, for those who love him and keep his commands. And so here we have Moses talking in the book of Deuteronomy about the faithfulness of God. And so a few years later, we're sitting here uh, in this comfortable place. Um, uh, in our uh, in our pretty comfortable lives, and and what do we know about um, about the attribute of God that you like the most? He's unchangeable. He's unchangeable, right? Right. And so, what does that mean in terms of God's faithfulness as we sit here today? He's a faithful God. He's faithful, isn't it? <laughs> we make big theological mountains out of some of these things. They're just pretty simple. Hey, God's faithful. And Moses told us so. And uh, do you believe it? <coughs> Alrighty then. <laughs> okay. But people have written books, volumes. I, have, I bought several of them. And it's just, God is faithful. And he's proved it. And we're going to see that. Turn <laughs> to Psalm 89. It says here in the NIV, because you were saying he is a faithful God. This NIV says he is the faithful, the faithful God. God. The faithful God. He is the Faithful God, capital G. Psalm 89, 1 and 2. We're going to look at several 89 passages here. Psalm 89, verses 1 and 2. And somebody read that, and when somebody's reading, please look through this and and pick out some of the key words and, and, uh, and, um, and terms here in this, in this psalm relative to the attributes of God. Somebody read the first two verses of Psalm 89. <coughs> I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you establish your faithfulness in heaven itself. Wow. Interesting what the psalmist reads there, or writes there. So, what, what in, in your reading of that, what are the key words that stand out? Forever and faithfulness. Forever and faithfulness. Those are two pretty key words in this in this psalm. Anything else? Love and kindness. Okay. Mercy. Love stands firm forever. It stands firm. Okay. Yeah, so we see God's love in here. We see God's. 
uh, eternalness in here. Uh, we see God's faithfulness in here. Uh, we see the we see the strength of God here, of course, um, because He's this the standing firm. And uh, and and by the way, uh, who established faithfulness? God established faithfulness. How do you know that? <laughs> It's even in... So, what's in the heavens, Doris? Okay. Okay, so one of God's attributes, meaning His faithfulness, is contributing to keeping everything in the cosmos that He designed and put there for His purposes. That's what... That's if I'm correctly paraphrasing what you just said. Okay? That's an interesting thought. Verse 2 says that he has established your faithfulness where? Isn't that interesting? That you have established your faithfulness. Back to the definition again, because you've got to be careful when you're reading 57 Webster's. 57 Webster's is a secular book. I don't care that they got some of the definition that they use in that book from God's Word. It's not inspired. It's just a dictionary. And God's Word is inspired. And here in the inspiration of God's Word, it says you have established your faithfulness. God, your faithfulness was established. Where? What does that mean? Okay. How is it evident in the heavens? Because of what you just said? Okay. I think it's one of the first things he did. Before he created, he established faith. Okay, so be okay. So the comment, if you didn't hear that, was um, that that Susan thinks that that may be one of the first things that he did, establishing faithfulness before even creation. Interesting. He was already established. Yeah, he was already. Oh. He didn't really have to create it. It was already. Okay, it was okay. Because what was already there, Scott? Everything, all his attributes of God Himself was already there. God, God, of course, established His faithfulness in heaven itself because where, what is faithfulness? An attribute of God. It's who God is. Okay. And so, since we all know that that uh, that you know that God was created uh, um, about four thousand years before, what? So God has always been. You can point at anything around and say God. Interesting. Interesting. Turn to eighty-nine five. A couple of verses farther. And let's see, Doris, what you're talking about here in terms of God's faithfulness that was established in heaven itself. See, I think that has implications. I, I like thinking about these words because here's the psalmist saying that you've established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Where's God? Everywhere. Okay. <laughs> oh, it starts getting real theological. I love this. So what happens is that we have, we have God in heaven and we have the establishment of his faithfulness in heaven itself. And we have an attribute of God. It, God is faithfulness. God is faithful. It is an attribute. He must be faithful. He can't be untrue to himself. Interesting. 
And yet the psalmist is trying to wrap something around it so that we can understand. So the establishment of this faithfulness in heaven itself, we tend to think about heaven as a place. It, it's like, I, I can't wrap my, my mind around God, but it's much easier to wrap my mind around the Lord Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin, walked on the earth, talked, walked, performed miracles, um, I read about it. I believe it on faith. Uh, but there were people there. Nobody has seen God. And Jesus is God. And Jesus is God. And so, I, 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 don't, I don't know, you know, why God does some of the things he does, for sure. In fact, I don't know why God does most of the things that he does. But but I know that, that Jesus Christ came. I know that was, that was his plan. So, in verse 2, it says your faithfulness in heaven itself. So that would be the throne, the throne of, where the throne of God is. Mm-hmm. And the and all that stuff. Yeah, the the right. <laughs> so that would be the cosmos. Oh. I love Bible students. Yeah. Okay, there's a difference between heaven and the heavens. Mm-hmm. We saw that when we studied heaven, didn't we? Yeah. And so uh, God made it very clear that there's the, the, the cosmos out there, the heavens, and we had those questions. Are there really seven levels of heaven? And so we went, we went through all that. But this is heaven itself, where God, where God what? Dwells. Wow. Wow. So, yes, well, let's, let's, look at, let's look at verse, uh, at verse 5 in Psalm 89. The heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness too, and the assembly of the holy ones. Interesting. It just keeps the psalmist keeps keeps us interested, doesn't he? So now what we're seeing is that, that we have this this establishment of God's faithfulness in heaven itself. God is faithful. But we gotta we gotta we gotta jerk that back because we can't think about it in terms of the definition in Webster because we think about being faithful like Vinny is going to be faithful to finish his schoolwork. And we can't think of it that way. That that's a different kind of faithfulness because we're talking about an attribute of God because faithful is who he is, not what he does. Okay? His faithfulness to his schoolwork is what he does. But we're talking about the faithfulness of God. That's who he is. Is all of the attributes of God are who He is, faithfulness being one of them. And so, um, could you read that psalm one more time? The heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness too in the assembly of the holy ones. What's happening in heaven around God's attribute of faithfulness? The angels are gathered. What's happening? The angels are gathered. The angels are gathered around what? What are they doing then? Well, they're praising. <laughs> Worshiping. Yeah, there's the holy ones in heaven are praising the faithfulness of God. Think about this for a second. Oh, George wants to say something. Go. I just to say, my, my scripture says that in the assembly of the saints, which is the that's where I was going to go. So, so if we see the heavens are praising your wonders, Lord, the heavens are praising your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness to, in the assembly of the saints, in, in the 
in the New King James. I like that better than the, than the NIV, which is the word for word translation, right? So, in the, in the assembly of the saints, there is praising of God. Because who is God? Faithful. There's, now, think about this for a second. And we may have a slightly different opinion, perhaps, based on our upbringing and our theological position on what happens when we die. I think everybody in the room would understand that what happens when we die, Betty, where do we go? What's that? What happens when we leave this planet here because we God is done with us? We go to heaven. <laughs> some people think that there's the possibility of some of some physicality to that. Others don't. I love you, though. That's okay. That's okay. But who's in heaven? God. Who else is in heaven according to Psalm 89.5? And a lot of other saints, angels. And there's praising of God that's going on there. You see what's potentially happening here? There are saints in heaven that are that are in the assembly and they're praising God. That's what we're doing. We're just doing it here. And the crazy thing is, is that they have us they have a much better understanding of this faithfulness that, that is an attribute of God. They're there. It's our hope. Okay? And based on faith, we know that's where we're going. There's not, there's not a person here that doesn't, isn't completely sold out to that truth, right? And there they are, according to Psalm 89.5. And your faithfulness to praising your faithfulness to. Hmm. I know people that are there. <laughs> isn't that awesome? I mean, when you think about that. So that's how we read it. So not only was God's faithfulness established in heaven, but there are the saints are there praising God. Not only for all of his wonders, because they can see some of the things that we can't. They're in heaven. And his faithfulness. Wow. That's that's powerful. We've already established that if God were not perfectly faithful, right, Doris? If he were not perfectly faithful, then he would cease to be God. So it's simple, really. It's really simple. Go a couple more verses to verse 8. What does the psalmist tell us? Quiet, you two. (laughs) (laughs) If we have to separate you two, we will. They can't hear. Psalm 89, 8 says, O Lord, God Almighty, who is like you? You are mighty, O Lord, and your faithfulness surrounds you. Hmm. A few more verses to verse 24. 89, 24. Psalm 89, 24 in the New King James. Of course, is 
representative of strength. Okay, strength. Okay, so you can write strength in there if you want to. So, and and through my name, his strength will be exalted. But his his faithful love will be with him. Two attributes of God, right there in one song: faithfulness and love. Psalms are filled with the faithfulness of God. Are we? Uh oh. Uh oh. There are attributes of God that are God attributes only, right? There are other attributes that God has. That he shares. Is faithfulness one of them? I hope so. No. No. Wes is the only one that has perfect faithfulness that I'm aware of. No, it's completely imperfect. Because we're fallen. Obviously, we're sinful. It's not perfect. But it is an attribute of God that we that that we share. And we'll see a little bit more about that in a minute. First John 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Very familiar. Faithful, 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 faithful. 2 Timothy 2.13 Anybody turn there yet? <laughs> Alright, first one there gets to read. Ah, I love that one. So, if we are faithless, because he is what, Betty? If if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He always will remain faithful because God is immutable. He can't change. He cannot change. He cannot dissolve. He cannot disown himself. He cannot deny himself. God is God. His attributes are his attributes. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? And finally, there's 1 Thessalonians. I was only going to put verse uh, 24 of, of, um, of chapter 5, but I, but I can't because we've got to get the context of this um, yeah, because it's, it's important. So, um, because I can project, let me read it so that you can hear it. And, and, and follow along, and because we're going to get finally to verse 24 here, but we're going to read the first uh, few verses before that. And, and listen to the importance. Have the Holy Spirit just, just teach us as we're thinking about the attributes of God and this passage in 1 Thessalonians 5. We're going to look at starting in verse 14. And we urge you, brothers and sisters... Warn those who are idle and disruptive. Why are we starting there? Aren't we talking about the faithfulness of God here tonight? Oh, alas. Here we are. Broken people. All of us. All right. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, 
but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. And then make sure that in your selfish desires, you do all that you want to do first. No, wait, that's a different version. And then he says, rejoice. Scotty, remember this one? Rejoice always. Pray continuously or without ceasing. Give thanks when? Oh, wait, let's keep reading. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, I hate to do a bunch of commentary on this because I want to get to the end, but I mean, they write books on what God's will is for your life. We would do well to take the next five years to focus on rejoicing always, praying continually, and giving thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Whew. Let's go on. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. I love the setup to this faithfulness of God verse. Remember, this was a letter. There was no such thing as this verses and, and, and chapters when this was written. So this was written, and, 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 it's, and it's a letter, and it says, The one who calls you to all of this stuff church. That's all of us. The one who calls you to all of this stuff is what? Faithful. I love that, Sally. It says, and he will do it. What does that mean? That we don't have to do any of this because, praise God, he's going to do it. Oh, Okay, so in us and through us. Okay, but but the one who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Will you? I have a shirt. <laughs> you won't. I have a shirt at home that says, What if Jesus meant what he said? <laughs> what if Jesus meant what he said? Woo! Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, we can be cavalier about some of these things, but I, well, you know, I was reading this earlier this week, and I'm, and I'm thinking about um, uh, this, this letter to the church in Thessalonica, and I'm thinking about, uh, okay, we've, we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Well, that's kind of a no brainer. Okay, a Christian that's idle? Nah, there's something wrong with that. Okay, that's that Lone Ranger guy, you know. That's, there's something wrong with that. And disruptive? That's even worse. That's even worse. And so, and, and encouraging the disheartened, helping the weak, be patient to everyone. Well, those are all pretty straightforward things, aren't they? We would, but they're not even controversial things, are they? And then he says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Sanctify you through and through. The context is, by doing these things, 
There's a sanctification process. Or you can choose to be idle. But the one who is calling you is faithful, and he will do it. God is faithful to do what he says he's going to do. He'll do it. Nevertheless, as Richie has said the last couple of weeks, nevertheless, he'll do it. Because he is perfectly faithful to do it. Interesting. How God how important is God's faithfulness in your life? It's everything. There's no security without it. It's everything. Okay. And okay. Any other? Okay, if he wasn't faithful or if he was if he was mutable as opposed to immutable. Okay. Alright. Alright. Any other comments besides besides security? That's that's a that's a good one. You couldn't count on any of his promises. Okay? So how important is that how important is that in your life, Doris? faithfulness and it's kind of like okay God is faithful he's proved it over and over we'll see that we believe it we say it's important in our life because without it there would be no security it's everything it's who he is and if it isn't who he is it would mean that he isn't true to himself and he's not God and we should go home okay so it's really kind of simple in, 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 in that respect it's really kind of simple then why is it that there are there are many that are perfectly happy not buying into these attributes of the Holy God. Well, if they, if they bought into it and believed it, they would just be another church. And they want to have their own church and their own thing. And their they're, own serving, they're serving themselves Okay, so it is self-serving, Scotty says. All right. All right. So, if you or do you consider that God's faithfulness is is uh, any more important than any of His other attributes? Then, if it's if if it's so important for that that's that security, that sense of security, the truth of your security, okay, because that is true, you know, is is His faithfulness, especially when things are going tough, is His faithfulness more important, Kevin? Ah, 
Okay, well said. So that connection then uh, almost brings to life the the, the, the attributes the, because we can we can uh, is that is that how you uh, does that help you relate to to God in a, in, a, in a sense? Beautiful. So that, so that, so that, that because that total trust is everything. Because without that, without that, that trust, are there times in your life where, where that gets questioned? Yes. Every single attribute is just as important as. Okay, Tozer in his book says that to magnify one attribute over another is just wrong. Do you agree with that or disagree? I agree with one point. I picked up from Tozer was that they're all on a horizontal plane. None is greater or more important than the other. They all measure See, I think that's really interesting. I was fascinated with what with what Tozer was saying about about one attribute of God isn't any more important than the other attribute of God because God is God. God is God. And so, um, and, and he was talking about, and, and maybe we can explore for just a minute, um, the difference between God's love and God's justice, for example. And he was kind of talking about how the church has gone through you know, these ups and downs just a little bit. And I, and, and I, I don't want to pick on anybody too much, but I, but I will. So you, know, you, can, you can talk about love wins all you want. But if you don't, if you, if you, because God is love. I can take you right to the scripture. It says God is love. We're going to look at that attribute of God next week. That's my favorite one. But it's no more important than God's faithfulness. God is love. But if we only focus on his love to the exception of his justice, then what happens? Then he calls it a lopsided view. Okay, I call it myopic. I think it's, oh, it's very... Oh, it's very fuzzy. We don't we don't see it well because if we only focus on God's love and we and we completely disregard His justice, then all of a sudden, what happens? It's not about God anymore. It's not God anymore. And so then, all of a sudden, what we have is an entree into, for example, a, a, a doctrine of universalism because I don't like it that God is just. That people are going to hell. When we talked about hell, I, I remember saying that, you know, it was because I, I, I plagiarized it from somebody else. If I was God, I wouldn't do that. But if you were the God who served, you would. <laughs> yeah. But, and, and, and thank God I'm not, right? But, but this is the holy living God that we're talking about here. That is, is with all of these declarative statements about himself in the scriptures. With all of, uh, he's exposed himself to us in so many different ways, and he is loving and just. You can't pick the ones that you like and you don't like and reassign them somehow. Because all of a sudden, then God isn't God. He's not God anymore. At that point, he's no longer God. So what are you, what are you going to do with that? But sometimes in your life, depending on what you're going through, God will highlight certain aspects <coughs> of himself to get you through a situation. Without a doubt. 
So, are you called to are you called to be faithful? Are you always? Okay. And so, when when God is dealing with you, when God when God reveals something to you, does He reveal it to you through all of His attributes um, uh, on a combined basis, all all at one time? And he uses circumstances, people, um, all kinds of things, doesn't he? All wrapped up into who he is. Because his plan for you is perfect. He knows exactly what he's doing. And, and your job is to abide. Well, it's just like you can read the scripture say, uh, the, uh, a certain scripture within people and it can speak to each one of them in a different way. In a different way, yeah. How many times... He can use the same scripture to talk to you in a different way. How many times have you read a scripture and you were just happily minding your own darn business, thank you very much, and God spoke to you through a scripture that I mean, you were just in a devotional time and it was like whack, right upside the head. A scripture you may have read just the week before and you went right on through it. He has you right there and there's the, there's, there's the power of the Spirit working right then and there. And, and, and just stopping it. <coughs> what are some of the promises? Because we all believe that faithfulness is an attribute of God, and we've settled that issue, so we're kind of preaching to the choir here, right? But but a couple of examples of God's faithfulness that, that he has demonstrated in, in Scripture. Big examples of God being faithful. Jesus. Pardon me? He sent his son. Okay. Um, as a matter of fact... Um, you don't have to look at these scriptures. But the promise was back in Isaiah, Isaiah 7.14. Isaiah through, um, or God through Isaiah said that, uh, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and, and will call him Emmanuel. Back in Isaiah. What happened? He, he was faithful to do that. God was. He sent his son to the birth of a virgin. Now, many people would have I mean, and isn't it amazing that the people that Isaiah, Isaiah was talking to went, they probably went, yeah, right on, Isaiah, that's cool, man. Dig it, right on. Until it happened, God was just being faithful to what he said. He was just being faithful. And they rejected the whole thing. They rejected Jesus. And what's, a, what's another example? Pardon me? The what? Scattering. Uh, the freeing them from captivity. Okay, freeing the Israelites from captivity. Okay, that's back in Genesis. God gave us covenant to Abram and said, Dude, we're going to send you all down there uh, and it's going to be a mess. And so for 400 years or so, you're going to be down there and they're going to take advantage of you and, you're, and it's not going to be pretty. Um, but then, after 400 years, Abram, on your your, your people, are, they're going to be they're going to be they're going to be set free. Um, and so, um, and, and that was in Genesis. God said what He was going to do, and then in Exodus, He did it. At the very end of the 430 years, to the very day, all of the Lord's divisions left Egypt. Hmm. God is just faithful. Okay, but we know that already. And so, what are some of the things that we're uh, waiting for God to do? Okay, his, his return. Okay. New heaven, new earth. Yeah. Is he going to do that? 
Okay, he's going to do that. So, so God is faithful. Any questions? You get, you get. So I, I got this, I got this book written by Pink, and I got this one by Tozer, and I'm, I'm comparing them, you know. And I'm looking through the redundancy of this, and I'm thinking these guys are just trying to put words on the page. Do you, you had me. I was sold after I read the first scripture, man. I, you know, I don't really even need your commentary, man. I just don't. God is faithful. I've seen it in scripture. I've experienced it in my life. Next. I'm done. It's just settled. It's it's a it's a non-issue, and so we sing that song out of Lamentations. Great is your faithfulness because we believe it, because it is true. And for those that don't believe it, it doesn't mean it's not true. And we just take that to the bank because we know that where are we going? Yeah, as the psalmist said, we're going to be praising God for His faithfulness in heaven. And and if that if if we if 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 I wake up tomorrow, uh, or said, if I don't wake up tomorrow, <laughs> if God chooses not to give me breath tomorrow, well, hallelujah, I'm going to be absent the body, present the Lord. I'll be praising Him for His faithfulness amongst everything else. His wonders, the psalmist said. I don't even know how many wonders there are, but we're going to be praising Him for His wonders. And his faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. That's awesome. So when we talk about this faithfulness, um, uh, what else do we need to talk about? Because if God is faithful, how and, and why is he faithful? Because okay, because of his grace and his mercy. Okay, and so, um, so if we're abiding in these promises of God, and we're, we're done, we're just so done, aren't we? Because we believe it. Again, the stake is in the ground; it's immovable because he's immutable, and um, and we've we've settled the issue. Because every declaration, every prophecy, every promise. Every covenant God has adhered to. And so the ones that we haven't experienced yet, He will do. Because He's already done all the rest. He will do. It's that simple. So we need to understand His grace and His mercy too because they tie in so directly to not only His faithfulness but to all of the other attributes. And so um, our grace and mercy attributes of God. <coughs> they're a part of his love the question okay and love is an attribute of God the specific question is are grace and mercy attributes of God yes yes, yes. yeah it's who he is so we, we need to understand that because we're even talking about grace and mercy I think we talk about it all the time we use the terms grace and mercy in our prayers regularly, don't we? And sometimes I wonder if we really focus on what the words are, because words are so powerful. The book is full of words. God gave us, there's, 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 boy, there's lots of words God gave us. He wrote this to us, for us. They're really important. And he knew we would struggle through them for a lifetime. So, grace and mercy. What is grace? Go ahead, somebody... Let me blur it out. What is grace? Unmerited favor. 
unmerited favor. My new dental hygienist is, I found out today, a Jehovah's Witness. And she was talking about going to church, and I said, I heard you a little poop. <laughs> so hard to have a conversation. I'm trying to share the gospel. She's got this stuff in my mouth anyway. And so she's talking about uh, going to this Bible seminar and all this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, she's a Baptist. I don't know. And uh, so I said, what church do you go to? And unabashedly, she says, oh, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. Ah, oh, hey. And so, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to have a conversation when your mouth is full of stuff. But, but it, it, was, it was interesting because I immediately wanted to talk to her about God's grace. About God's grace. His unmerited favor that she doesn't believe in. Okay. She's been taught that that doesn't exist. And it's so untrue. Unmerited favor, according to Webster. Given man from God for his regeneration or sanctification. 57 Webster's. Check out your 2015 or 14 Webster's and see what it says. It doesn't say that. What is mercy? What is God's mercy? Well, that's still grace. So... What about God's mercy? What is God's mercy? If grace is that unmerited favor that He just He bestows that on us, right? It's free. What is mercy? Being spared from judgment. Being spared from Oh, okay. You want to hear what Webster says? Compassion. I love it. Because of His compassion. Okay. So, what about His compassion? The compassion he has on us. Okay. Grace is what gives us something we don't deserve, and mercy it keeps us from getting something that we do. We deserve. That's a, that's right, and we, we hear that, don't we? That's a, that's a pretty common thing in the church. And and, and and mercy, by definition, is compassion or forbearance. I love that word forbearance. We don't use that much anymore. The compassion or forbearance shown to an offender. A blessing that is an act of divine favor or compassion, according to Webster. I love that. It's a biblical definition of, 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 of mercy. So grace is the free favor of God. Grace is the free favor of God. It's, how much does it cost? It's free. It's free. Oh, my Jehovah's Witness new friend. Oh, just knew. You don't have to go door to door. I mean, you can if you want to, but you know, you don't. You can't earn. It's it's free. It's God's grace. It's 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 free. So it's God's. How are we saved, by the way? Go ahead and finish it. You know the rest of it by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. Okay, so there it is. So uh, so we're saved by by grace, right? All right. So Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, but this is not from yourself, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. Oh boy, for all of our Jehovah's Witness friends, if they could just get that into their heart, instead of what they're taught in their head, that they have to work for it. But there it is. It's by grace that you have been saved. Grace is the eternal and absolute free favor of God. 
freely given. Can't be bought, can't be won, can't be worked for, can't be any of those things. It's a gift. Is God grace? Everything from God is a gift. Okay, but that's not my question. Is God, we just we established earlier, and we were singing to the choir here, God is faithful. Is God grace? No. He has grace. He acts grace for us. Say that again. He enacts grace. He enacts grace. Any other comments? Okay, well, we, we, know, we know that grace is a, is a free gift of God. We know we're saved by grace. There are some grace principles, three that I can think of. First, one thing that we know about grace is it's eternal. What else is eternal? God is eternal. Grace is eternal. You don't have to turn there in the interest of time. 2 Timothy 1.9 says he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Grace is eternal. What else does <coughs> grace do? We've already said Grace is free. 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 Grace is, grace is free. Romans 3.24. And all are justified freely by His grace. Wow. And of course, grace comes from another attribute of God. From His sovereignty. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, God is sovereign over all these things, and He chooses to extend His grace also. So why is grace such a stumbling block to so many? Too simple. It's too simple. <clears throat> okay, that's what they believe, and so that's the stumbling block because they only have they have a concept of, of, of works, so it's not worth it unless you've earned it. Well, who's worthy of grace? Okay, so nobody's worthy, right? Okay, so God's word tells us that. So why do we stumble with that? What what's the stumbling block? But, who, who here, come on, let's be honest, who here still can, can oh, struggle a little bit with the fact that this holy God, the holy living God, the creator of all things, who, who is present, freely extended grace to you to live with him for an eternity in his presence. Freely. He gave that to you. Come on, be honest. You say if you really knew, but he does really know. 
He does really know you. But the question is, yeah, do you struggle with that? Of course, because I see. But if you really knew you, he wouldn't but do that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I accept it. I think it's so because we're sinners. And, yeah. and, and we just don't understand God in the way that he understands us. So we trip and fall, we stumble. That's a tribulation of it. God gives us everything, and he wants us to give it back. He wants us to be givers just like he is. And that's our journey. Yeah, it's our journey. And then Isaiah, Isaiah said, guys, there's... God, in his grace, is going to send Jesus born of a virgin. He's going to do all this stuff. And they said, send him to the church. And our Jehovah's Witnesses friends, who we, 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 just, we just must love. We do love. And they say, no, no, it's too easy. So what we believe is that, that there's a ranking system. Because that's what the culture would tell us. Right? Because, you know, study did, there's called this thing called an F. If you blow the test, right? It's, just, it's, it's, it's graded based on the work you put in. We, we translate that into, in, into, into this free gift of God. People struggle with that. We want to earn it. I've been earning stuff my whole life. I know a lot of people feel like they want to take care of the, the dirt and the garbage in their life before they come to mm-hmm. ask forgiveness. So they're not ready yet because they have to clean their act up enough. Right, right. When, of course, we know that it's, in God's economy, it's just the opposite. And that's how He wants you. Right. Yeah, no, He'll do the work. <coughs> You just have to accept the free gift. So, and, and what about what about then God's mercy? So is, is mercy and grace are they tied together? Two sides of a coin. Mark, you're shaking your head. You want to get you want to get something out of it now? Okay, two sides of a coin. They're so they're so interrelated. They're so similar. Even sometimes I even struggle with. Wait a minute. What's grace and what's mercy? You know, it's kind of like, hmm, huh? Some, sometimes, sometimes I have to I have to work through that just a little bit. But, but, um, and again, in the interest of time, you have to turn there. But in Psalm one forty five nine in the New King James, it says, "The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works." So God shows mercy to all of His creation. Does He show? Does he extend grace to all of his creation? It's available. It's available. Okay. He's, Scotty said, yes, he extends grace to all of his creation. It's available. Okay, so, okay. so it's available. People in the available camp? Okay. People in the... He extends grace to... Well, you have to receive grace. Okay, you have to receive it. So does that, is that the same as what he's saying? It's extended? I don't think so. I think you have to receive it. It's there. He holds it out. Okay. But you have to say give it to Okay. The closest thing to works we have is you have to believe. <laughs> okay. Well, that takes work sometimes, doesn't it? For some people, you really got to work and believe you know it. Only until you do. Psalm 136 1 says, and again in the New King James, oh, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His mercy endures forever. 
Grace is eternal. Mercy is eternal. His mercies are over all of His works, all of His creation. Who is God merciful to? People who believe. Only people who believe? Only to people who believe? Anybody else? No? Kathy's saying no? It's who? What's your thought? Mercy. Mercy. Does God show mercy to the wicked? Yeah. Does he then show mercy to everyone? Yeah. The, the, the psalmist says that he, he says he shows he says he shows good over all of his all of his works. All of his creation are his are his works. His mercy is extended over all of creation. That is every 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 regenerated and unregenerated person is under the mercy of, of, of God. And in fact, uh, generally everybody but specifically in Exodus 33:19 it says, "I will show mercy to whom I show mercy." Romans 9:15 proclaims the same thing. So God chooses to show mercy to who He will show mercy, but His mercy is over His whole creation. But so is mercy the same as grace? Because God also shows mercy to those that are wicked. Does He extend grace? And is grace then extended to the wicked? This time we should probably turn instead of any <coughs> time. We'll take a little bit of time. And let's go to Isaiah 27 11. And it's a little unfair because we have to read quite a bit more in Isaiah to get the absolute context. But, but because you guys are theologians, you'll understand this. Isaiah 27 11 says this, when its bows are withered, they will be broken off. The women come and set them on fire. For it is a people of no understanding. Those are the unregenerate ones, right? For it is a people of no understanding, therefore, he who made them will not have mercy on them, and he who formed them will show them no favor. So, so you know, we take a look at this at this mercy. God will show mercy on whom He will show mercy, and yet He has mercy over all of His creation. The sovereignty of God enters into the mercy of God because He will show mercy to those He shows mercy to, and yet the extension of grace is to everyone. Because if you look at the whole of Scripture, and we have to understand uh, the, the, the the whole body of Scripture, and that is who uh, who is God interested in in having uh, come to His Son in in, in faith? Everyone. 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 Okay. And, and yet he's sovereign over that too, and he knows who will and who, and who won't, which is a whole other theological discussion. But God is faithful, God is just, and and um, and and you know, mercy is temporary for the unregenerate, because God is going to show mercy over His whole creation. But is there mercy in hell? There's justice. There is justice, but Titus 3.5 said he saves us not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit because we're saved by grace through faith. And yet when justice is 
is doled out by this holy and just God. Okay. His mercy is done with the unregenerate at a certain point in time. It is temporal. It is temporal. And that's a, that's a horrific thing to even think about. But there is no God's mercy outside of, of the family of God, those that are regenerate and, and are going to spend an eternity with Him. Uh, sobering. It's very sobering. God is faithful to offer salvation, obviously, through Christ Jesus. By grace through faith. Why does he do that? Why is he faithful to do that? What? Because of who he is? Somebody, Marie, you said what? Because he loves us. Any other ideas? Because we understand. Because we understand? We get it. Because we accept it. Because we don't. That's all, those are all great answers. Um, but since I'm sitting in here, I'm going I'm to I'm share. I'm going to share something with you uh, because I've been working through this question all week. Okay, so so why is he so merciful and graceful to people that are undeserving like us? Why? It's all great church answers. But for me personally. I don't have the slightest. I don't have the slightest idea why God would save. Uh, I love the song, a, a rich like me. We're in creation, and we thought that we were good. Those are all. Those are all great answers. I'm. I'm just. You know. You're still. You're still working. But I. I you know, as I try to work through that, guys. I. I, I think through that, and I. I, I know the biblical truth. I know the. I know the right answer. I have that why with a question mark. Why, God? Why is that your plan, God? I, don't get me wrong. I, I, I love that that's plan, and I, and, 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 and I, I, I hope to praise and, 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 and worship Him um, all the days of my life. But that why question is that that's a it's a very short question, but it's a big question. Why why did God do that? And I want to say because First John four eight says God is love, and I and I know God is love. And I think that that's what, if you love somebody, wouldn't you do anything for them? But one thing, and one thing is, is he created us to be with him. I mean, that was the whole point. And so when they sinned in the garden, he would have never been with anyone. If the creation would have lost, had he not had a way to Pay for those things. Mm. Yeah, but that why is so why me? I, 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 I can't argue with you. I still have a why question. We've all talked about the hidden things. That's one of the hidden things. The mystery of God. It is a complete mystery. And I am so sold out to Jesus. In, in spite, nevertheless. Nevertheless, that is, it is a mystery that is beyond my ability to comprehend why a holy, loving God would even consider this plan. 
for any of us, but specifically for God. When I personalize it and I say for me, uh, I am so thankful and so humbled by the fact that this is true. It's the most amazing thing. And so living in light of that is humbling and yet awesome. <laughs> the joy that that brings because God is God. He's <coughs> just God. In all of His attributes. And next week when we look at the love of God, oh, they're all the same, but that's my favorite. you know, Because when you understand the love of God, it's kind of like when you, when you, when you have the ability to, to share that with somebody. We're talking about evangelizing people, you know, because of what she went through with body comb when they went down to yonder and they did all that kind of stuff. And God just changed her. And I'm, I'm still walking her. And she still has to settle down, you know. I mean, you know, and there's a change that took place. God worked. And there's something happening. I don't know what it is. Maybe you don't even know what it is, but you know part of what it is. And that's the love of God. For your benefit, because He loved you, He allowed you to do that, showed you all that stuff, used all these things, and it's, it's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy what's going on there. Supernaturally, all this stuff is going on. And now it's about, oh, can't we just appropriate that? Even if I have the question, why, God? You don't have to have the answer. You get to, you get to live in it. Whoa, man. I want to serve a God like that, don't you? I mean, really, don't you? It's just so, it's just, it's just, and I still wonder why. And I just, I, I, I got to believe that I'm going to have an eternity to get that answer. And I'm just, I, I, I get to bask in it now. That's where joy comes from. And it's going to be nothing like what it is in heaven when we're with him for an eternity. And we'll be seen for who we are and he for who he is. And it's going to take it off of this where we're trying to get it from here and we're trying to pound it down into here. And it's going to be so evident. It's going to be, yes. It's going to just be a yes moment. But we should be living like it's a yes moment now. Because it can be. So let's just go there. Amen? Amen. Amen.